Hello, my lovely ones, and welcome to Mumming with Magli, the podcast for any mum who has absolutely no idea what the fuck she's doing. I'm Magli, your host, and I can confirm I have no idea what I'm doing. Join me every week as I try and tackle this parenting business, the ups and downs, and the many trials and tribulations. Other moms will also join us and share their story. Let's open up the conversation around the hardships of motherhood and all the pressure that comes with it. Hopefully, it'll make us all feel less alone in feeling lost and completely winging it. I know I am. Enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hi, team. How are we? Magali here, me, your favorite host. I am in recovery. <laughs> I'm recovering from the coronation weekend, bank holiday weekend. So, okay. <laughs> I know that I said last weekend that I wasn't really for the coronation, but ah, oh, it really brought the community together. And for that, I'm really grateful. Street parties and we ended up going out and oh, it was really, really amazing. We went to a street party in the local village with some friends and neighbors and it was just so, so lovely. It just felt like everyone was happy and the sun was out and I really felt this sort of coming together, this celebration of just life. I don't know. It was really good. Yeah. So although I do think the money for the coronation should have or could have been spent in other places. Yeah. It was a really, really good event, really good weekend. And I feel like everyone I've spoken to has been like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Just loved the sun and being out and partying and celebrating. And what I love most actually is this feeling like I'm building family friends for Isla, if that makes sense. So I feel like I've got family friends and who I consider family friends are like friends of my family, my mum and and my dad. But I just feel like I have more family friends from my mum's um, side. And it feels really special to know that I'm creating that for Isla, if that makes sense. You know, people that she's going to think are family friends. I don't know why. I'm a little bit mind blown at this idea that I'm creating family friends for her. And I really hope that that continues. I have struggled. So we live in quite a small town and I've traveled a lot in my life. And sometimes I do struggle with the thought that we're just in a small town. It, sometimes it can feel a little bit boring for me. But something I will say about living in a small town is this sense of community that I just never had before. And I feel like I really have now. I got on so well with my neighbors. We've got two girls living next door, they're sisters, and they are honestly so, so precious to George and I, um, Grace and Charlotte. <laughs> little shout out to them and we go out with them loads and like there's just not that many people that I know that have that relationship with their neighbors and I honestly we are so so lucky but apart from them we have other neighbors that we know you know people from the cafe that I used to work at but I still have a good relationship with the studio where I teach um unfortunately the studio is closing but we've built such a strong community with the studio and the clients and you know I saw a few of them at the street party and it's just Oh, it's so, so lovely, the sense of community. And yeah, I'm really grateful for that. I don't think I've never had that before growing up. And yeah, I love that so much. I will say, absolutely. <laughs> I was hanging on Monday, yesterday, because I'm recording this um, on the Tuesday, but you guys 
So when you listen to this, it'll be like last week, um, the weekend. But, oh my gosh, I was absolutely hanging on the Monday. And I'm so grateful that we didn't have Isla because Isla was actually with her auntie Hannah that weekend. Uh, we picked her up on the Monday. And I just, I never appreciated the luxury of a hangover without a child. Oh my goodness. Isla coming back was absolutely savage. I was just not in a place. <laughs> I was not in a good place. I didn't feel sick but my head was absolutely pounding. Oh my goodness. It's just, it's not worth it when you've got kids. Like hangover is just not worth it. Oh, I feel so old now because I feel absolutely fine today. And to be fair, even um, like in the afternoon, I felt absolutely fine. But oh, the morning, the morning was hard. And I just, I still feel like I'm not necessarily recovering, but just sort of arriving back. <laughs> It takes me, takes me so much more time. I just can't do it anymore. I am old. Oh, but I got the taste at the weekend, you know. <laughs> you know, sometimes you have a drink and you're like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. And then sometimes you have a drink. <laughs> and that first sip, you're like, oh my God, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Tonight's going to be a night. And, um, and it was, but it was so much fun. So much fun. Love those impromptu outings. Oh, how are you all? feeling. So there's a couple of things that I wanted to touch on, on last week's episode. And the first thing is I spoke about this idea of feeling needed. And I just wanted to clarify some stuff. Um, what I meant is because I feel like I kind of spoke about it, but I was in my head, like I hadn't made notes on it. I know that I've spoken about making notes, you know, when I talk about stuff on the podcast, but you know, obviously, sometimes I just go into conversation and things come out. And then when I listen back, it's not quite how um, I meant for it to come out. Not that it came out in a bad way. But it's an interesting topic. And I actually would love to hear your thoughts. So this idea of feeling needed, um, I feel like when we feel like we are loved and needed and we have this, you know, emotional, this safe emotional container as a child, I feel like it um, feeds into our sense of purpose. And when I said that I needed to be needed, it's a, it's a fine line, isn't it? Because yes, who doesn't want to feel needed? But actually, I think that that stems from not getting that love and that safe emotional container as a child. So you search for it externally when you grow up instead of feeling and knowing that just you as you are is all you need. Does that make sense? Growing up feeling loved and safe and needed gives you a reason and purpose. And the more you feel that from a young age, the more comfortable I think you feel in yourself and then the more independent you end up being as you grow up rather than continuing to search for it externally. Like, you know, in relationships, in work, you become dependent because you don't feel that reason for living inside you because you were left to crave attention. Does that make sense? Which, you know, inevitably feeds into this idea of not feeling worthy. I don't know. I don't, I've probably made another meal of it. Um, what, what are your thoughts? I would love to know because sometimes I wonder, have we also just become really oversensitive as a society or are we just more of it now, more aware of our emotions and feelings and, you know, because it's become more okay to talk about them? Anyway, food for thought, a really interesting topic, this idea of feeling needed and whether, you know, the more love we give to our children, the more um, comfortable and independent they feel when they grow up. Yeah. I would love to hear your opinions on the matter. If you have any, let me know. Don't hesitate to send me um, a message on Instagram or wherever. Yeah, interesting. Food for thought. 
The other thing that I wanted to touch on um, in regards to last week's episode, which actually I'll admit now, I completely took out of the episode last week because I was feeling self-conscious because I think it's not necessarily a taboo subject, but I think it's a subject to talk about with sensitivity. Um, And I think the language that I had used was potentially provocative is the wrong word, but maybe, um, maybe a little bit too much. Anyway, the topic is nudity and children. And already the fact that I feel, you know, just saying nudity and children in the same sentence feels wrong. But obviously, I mean that in the sense of me being naked in front of Isla. Because, so I was chatting to George, and George will sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes wear swimming trunks when he baths Isla, when he gets in the bath with her. And it's funny because I never thought about it. Personally, I don't. And I'm interested, is it, do you think it's a gender thing? I mean, I think inevitably it is a gender thing. He's, you know, a man with a penis. And Isla is a baby girl. And I think he feels aware and cautious that, you know, for example, if his penis is dangling, she's probably like, oh, what's this thing? And, (laughs) you know, she might (laughs) tug on it, like not tug on it, but (laughs) do you know what I mean? Oh, this is the sort of, yeah, the language um, I was really mindful of last week. So I completely edited out. But I find it, I think it's an important conversation because, it's a fine line, right? Um, We sexualize bodies so much, but I do think Isla, you know, she's learning what a woman's body looks like and I don't want her to sexualize me and I feel like if I hide myself, she's gonna feel like she needs to hide her naked body and although, yes, we need to wear clothes and, but it's just, it's a really fine line and I would just, I'm sort of opening the conversation and sort of, yeah, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts and whether you feel, you know, if you're a woman, maybe you have a son, where did you have, like, when did you stop being naked in front of your son? Because inevitably that stops, you know, um, my sister I know isn't naked in front of her son. Maybe, well, I'll have to tackle that conversation with her and ask her when that stopped. And yeah, sort of what age do you start to question whether the child is sexualizing the body? I mean, I'm not suggesting Isla's at that stage at all, but it's interesting that George, obviously, in his head and I completely understand I'm not saying he's wrong by the way but he already feels the need to you know hide himself because you know Isla doesn't know anyway yeah it's just it's interesting yeah okay and that's something else food for thought food for thought (laughs) okay the next thing that I have on my notes team I get a lot of comments about how courageous I am to talk so openly about struggles and topics that, you know, have a lot of stigma around them, taboo subjects, etc. And honestly, I am the type of person, you know, I'll just talk openly about anything. I don't really do superficial conversations. Like, I do, obviously, love talking about the weather as much as the next person. But I will very quickly and happily just talk about life, you know? I just think, we're all human, we've all got stuff and shit, and the more we talk about our obstacles, the more we realize that we're not alone in them, and it is okay to go through things, and I'm really grateful, beyond words, honestly, to those of you that message saying you find it inspiring and stuff, thank you so, so much. I did just want to say, I think a lot of us are scared to admit that not everything is perfect all the time. Sometimes I think we're worried to be judged, or worried that people will think, we're unhappy. Again, social media does not help with this. I've said it a million times. So firstly, it's okay that life isn't the best. It's okay 
that we're not happy and loving it 100% of the time. I just, I don't think it's realistic. It can't be the best all the time. If it was, then those moments wouldn't be the best moments. Does that make sense? It wouldn't feel as amazing as it feels. Secondly, I just want to say, and I know that this is so easier said than done, but if people are judging you, that's on them. It says so much more about them than it does you. And I know that it hurts when we feel judged. It hurts me when I feel judged or when I feel like people are making comments about, you know, who I am, what I'm doing, what I'm saying. It's really, it is painful, especially when it might be something that we're not 100% comfortable with in ourselves, right? When we feel like we're putting ourselves out there, when we feel like we're being vulnerable and then someone is, we're feeling attacked, right? If someone doesn't necessarily agree. And firstly, it's okay, you know, that people don't agree. Of course it is. But I just wanted to put it out there that I really try and remember that if people want to judge me on my worst moments, then you know what? Fine, go ahead. I'm human. I'm flawed. I have struggles. And if someone is going to think less of me for those struggles in the nicest way possible, (laughs) fuck you. (laughs) You know, instead of showing understanding and compassion, that's on them. Anyway, I know it's hard, but don't let, if you can, don't let other people judge your tough times from their highlights, if that makes sense. And yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. Um, You are wonderful. And your toughest moments do not define you. And I think we feel that they do. um, But they don't. Keep going. (laughs) You're amazing. (laughs) And the thing is, I say that really from a place because as you guys will know, I've been there. I have been there. And Ah, time shall pass. It does get better. I think we all carry so much shame and it makes me feel really, really sad. And on that note, I just wanted to recommend, maybe you have heard of her, maybe you haven't, Brene Brown. She's an author and she's done a lot of work on shame. And she has a great TED talk called The Power of Vulnerability. And if I remember, I will leave a link to it in the description below. And she also has a Netflix show well not a show but like um like a stand-up thing just like a show (laughs) you know what I mean (laughs) and that is called The Call to Courage and I really really recommend watching them I think they're really inspirational and they're really thought-provoking and she talks about people judging you when you're in the arena right and they can't if they're a spectator you have I'm sorry but you have no it's not that they don't have a voice they do have a voice but they don't deserve to give their opinion on something that they're not even willing to experience themselves you know they can't give an opinion on your vulnerability your fear your worst moments if they're not even in a place where they feel like they they can't do it themselves you know, does that make sense? I've absolutely butchered it. But she talks about that. And it's phenomenal. Um, I really recommend it on the topic of shame. Okay, I just feel the need to take a breather, because this is something that I do struggle to talk about as open as I am. I have upped my medication. I spoke a few weeks ago about the fact that I had started on antidepressants. I sertraline um, is the one that I'm on and I started on a lower dose and it's very common that they up the dose. I think there's it's very rare actually that you stay on the sort of first dose that they give you that's just like a little a little taster if you will. <laughs> I tasted it. <laughs> I loved it. I wanted more. <laughs> Anyway, I have, I've upped my medication and, oh, 
I've spoken about the power of yoga and meditation and well-being and I just want to say that when I talk about that I speak that from a place of knowing that sometimes it's not enough and sometimes we need extra help and that is okay. I needed extra help and they've upped my medication, my dose. I'm now in full, you know, disclosure. I'm on 100 milligrams of sertraline and I take that once a day with food. <laughs> and honestly, it's been a game changer and it's annoying because it took me a lot of time to accept that I needed it and I think I needed that time. I um, don't regret it, but part of me does wish that maybe I'd started on it a little bit sooner because I'm so much better and I feel it in myself. I feel so just much better about so many things and I can't even actually put my finger on what it is that's better. I just, my relationship is better with George. My reactions are better, you know, in situations where I feel like I would have snapped before. I just feel a sense of ease now. And I know that it's not for everyone, you know, I've and I, I feel like we say this because there's such a stigma and, even stigma aside, it's not for everyone and that's okay. But if you are in a position where you're just feeling angry and sad and snappy and frustrated and lost, but you don't know why, that is okay. That is okay. It's okay if meditation isn't enough. It is okay if, you know, you see online and people are like, oh, just go for a walk, it'll make you feel better. If it doesn't make you feel better, that is okay. And maybe reach out to a GP because it's okay to need help. I really needed this help and I can't tell you just how much it's brought me. I find the chaos less overwhelming, you know, in terms of Isla when she has a tantrum, just everything just feels less overwhelming. I feel like I'm in a position to cope with it. Whereas honestly, at one point, I just, I wasn't coping. I was not coping. And I will admit, I have had a little bit of side effects uh, just at the beginning in the first, well, actually, when I first went on it, my first dose my side effects came really quickly and I experienced those. I think I spoke about it in the first episode, just a little bit of fuzziness. Um, I felt like I was quite heightened in emotion, but that happens obviously as the body starts to get used to it. And then I, for this second dose, the side effects came a little bit later, I think two weeks after. And I remember I went to an appointment, I saw my therapist and I was there at my session and I was a little bit shaky, just really heightened in emotion once again. Um, but it left after a couple of days and now I feel really, I mean, again, it's not because I'm on this medication that all of a sudden everything is fucking phenomenal. No, I still, I'm still human. I still go through the ebbs and flows of life, but they're just not quite as extreme you know, it's not when a low doesn't plummet me to rock bottom, like the highs are still just as good. But the come down of the high isn't as painful and hard to deal with, if that makes sense. Yeah, everything, everything just feels easier. I think also maybe it's coming with the fact that Isla is at an age now where she fends for herself. I mean, I say fends for herself. <laughs> she doesn't actually can't wait for those days when she can make her own meals and stuff but she's quite good at playing alone sometimes and just sort of pottering about when we go to the park etc you know she just plays on the swing or you know goes up and down the slide by herself whereas before it just felt 
oh, I just needed to, you know, put her on the slide, blah, blah. She talks, she communicates loads, and that's fun. She loves talking on the phone to George, which is just so sweet. And bless her sometimes, I'll be listening to a memo from a friend, and she'll take the phone thinking she's talking to someone. <laughs> it's honestly the cutest thing. And then when I send memos, she talks too, and then I find myself literally just letting her talk on the phone, as if the person that I'm messaging cares what Isla's saying, or like, well, she's not saying anything, firstly. <laughs> But as if, in my head, I never thought I would be that parent. You know, sometimes people would be like, oh my gosh, look, you know, my kid is, I don't know, doing this amazing thing. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He's holding a spoon. Like, fuck off. <laughs> I can hold a spoon. <laughs> but now that Isla's doing it, I'm like, oh my God, look, she just said blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, oh my gosh, look at her. She's holding a spoon. <laughs> oh my gosh, I... Oh, I hate myself. Part of me hates myself. I just can't believe that I'm that person that literally thinks everything I is doing is the best thing ever. But yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought that I'd be that person? Who would have thought that I didn't hate being a mom? And I feel bad saying that. But at one point, it really was like that to me. And now it just yeah, everything feels, there's just a sense of ease and sense of peace to me. Um, I find that my communication with George has improved as well. Like I was saying, I'm less snappy. I think because I don't feel this debilitating overwhelm, everything is smoother. And I feel okay to communicate with him my needs. I feel like it's okay for me to say, George, I need this time for me. Or, George, I need you to do this for me. Or, George, can you... Do you know what I mean? Whereas before, I felt like such a burden. I felt like I was a burden and I felt like my needs, they were a burden on other people. Um, yeah, I've got my spark back, guys. <laughs> Slowly but surely. Um, and I think, again, it's going to ebb and flow and that's completely normal. But I really... I was saying to my therapist uh, the other week, I feel like in my life... I've had a lot of groundhog moments where I felt like I've hit rock bottom and then that rock bottom sort of became a drug, right? Because I actually think that I'm someone, I deal quite well in a crisis. And as I've mentioned before, I struggle with my sense of purpose. And I feel like when I was hitting rock bottom, it gave me a sense of purpose to get back up. But once I was up, I didn't know what to do with myself. It almost felt like a drug to hit rock bottom again to then give me that sort of spark, not spark, but to give me that sort of fire to get out of rock bottom, if that makes sense. But now I don't feel, it's not that, and the thing is you don't realize the need for rock bottom isn't like, it's completely subconscious. Like I wasn't like, oh, okay, I'm bored now. I'm gonna make myself feel awful so that then I can make myself feel better. Do you know what I mean? But in a way it was a little bit like that without realizing and I was talking to my therapist about it, saying that I just feel like I've lived this sort of groundhog day so many times throughout my life. And I don't feel like that anymore. Um, and maybe it might come back a little bit because, again, nothing is linear. But I really feel like it's smaller steps, but bigger steps. Do you know what, like, does that make sense? Because each small step is just taking me higher than any bigger step that I've taken in the past. Uh, I don't know if that resonates with anyone, if it, you know, makes sense. I actually, I was talking to my family, um, and I spoke to George about this uh, as well. My 
family isn't physically close to me, like geographically, I mean, uh, they live in France, I've got, my sister lives in Surrey, but still we don't, you know, Surrey's quite a way away still, and we don't see each other that often, and I think without realising it, when we talk to people, even when it's on the phone or over FaceTime, when we talk about difficult stuff and deep you know, if when we have deep conversations, so to speak, I think we sugarcoat things without realizing it. I asked my mom and dad if they'd noticed me going quite deep into my depression, and both of them said different variations of yes, but not to the extent that it really was. And yeah, I think only you know, which is why I think it's so important to take time to check in and Although, you know, I said before, I think for me, meditation and yoga has provided me the space to check in with myself because it made me realize how low I was. Did it cure me? Cure is such a, what? no, I don't think I'm cured now, by the way. I think it's an ongoing process. I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to be cured. Like, are we ever cured? No, that's wrong use of the word. But um, did it... I guess it wasn't enough to make me feel the better that I needed to feel, if that makes sense. However, it did provide me with the space to acknowledge how I was feeling. And I think sometimes that's the first step to just hold space for ourselves to realize that actually we're not great. And that's okay. But the problem is, is life is so busy all the time. And we live in this world where fast pace and productivity is just put on this pedestal. If you're not busy all the time, if you're not, you know, running on the treadmill, you're obviously not doing enough. But no, that's like that, that shit can literally kill you. Like stress can kill you, you know, mentally and physically. And for me, the practice of yoga has really brought me uh, the permission to hold space for myself and the permission to just check in and ask myself, how am I? And if I'm not okay, that's okay. But then what, what do I need? Because I think we don't ask ourselves the really, really difficult questions that we need to ask ourselves to just be and live and heal. Um, so I just, I also want to give a shout out to all the mums feeling any heaviness or shout out to anyone actually feeling this heaviness. If you are, it's okay. And there is a way out. It took me a long time. Like I said, I thought that, I thought that it was me. Um, and it took me a long time to realize that it wasn't me and it wasn't my fault. We are all wired differently. And for some reason, my brain wasn't working or isn't working quite as it should be working. And it needed a little bit of extra help or needs a little bit of extra help, which for me looks like medication and therapy on top of, you know, continuing my yoga and med my meditation practice. So I just want to say, yeah, when I talk about yoga and meditation, I know that sometimes it's not as easy as that. Um, and sometimes we need more and that is okay. And it took me a long time, especially because I'm in the well-being industry, to accept that yoga and meditation wasn't enough for me, to accept that I needed more help. Anyway, I've gone on and on about that. But yeah, I'm sending you so, so much love, whatever you're navigating. I hate that there's shame in, in navigating stuff, you know, in struggles. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough world. I think sometimes we just feel like, oh, it's just, 
small things, but those small things, they feel really big to us. And I think sometimes the reason that they feel so big is because I think often, you know, as children, tell tell me you weren't once crying and your parent wasn't like, oh, come on, it's nothing. You know, I think I'm so, so aware now of how I speak to Isla when she's feeling upset, when she's having a tantrum, because I just really want to validate that I understand that what she's feeling is okay. You know, it's, it's worthy, it's valid, you know, it's okay for her to feel whatever she feels. It's not small, it's it's big to her. Um, and I think as kids, we were probably, I know I was meant to, um, sorry, I was made to feel like maybe my struggles weren't big enough and I should just, you know, be grateful for what I have and blah, 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 and I am. But anyway, it's, I'm going back off on a tangent. You know what I mean. Um, it's just so interesting. I never realized the sort of um unpacking that I would have to do in myself uh becoming um becoming a mum oh something I'm going back to our weekend without Isla oh my gosh okay I'm not gonna lie I I feel a lot of guilt admitting this especially because George George didn't feel the same way that I felt or maybe he did enjoy it but George missed Isla so much this weekend and don't get me wrong I'm not saying that I did miss her obviously I did miss her I love her so much and I hate that I feel the need to like even say that you know as a little disclaimer but I really enjoyed the weekend without Isla on I think it was Monday morning yeah on the Monday George and I went for a walk with the dog and it felt like just us again it felt so nice to be just us and for a moment I feel so guilty admitting this out loud for a moment I forgot about her I forgot about Isla and that makes me feel bad but I didn't feel bad in forgetting does that make sense like I felt guilty but I was enjoying forgetting about her if that makes sense like oh I feel awful saying that but it just just felt like it was us again it, honestly I felt like I was me it's crazy how having a baby or well toddler child whatever however you want to label them it's just you're just not like you are you, but you're a different version of you. And all of a sudden, I just, I literally, I had this moment. I remember the moment so clearly. I was like, oh my gosh, I felt me. Like I just took a big deep breath in and I was like, I'm here. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't know if that resonates with anyone. It was really weird, but yeah. And then also on, um, on the Saturday, actually George was out. So on the Saturday evening, guys, I had an evening by myself, no George, no Isla, just me and the dog. <laughs> I literally, I didn't need to worry about anyone. And although like, obviously, it's not that I need to worry about George, but you do worry about your partner or you're just aware that they're there. And it's not like, obviously, I didn't do anything different that I would do at home if George was there, but it just felt so nice to have time to myself. I woke up in the morning and it just felt so free and open. I had to dance around in the living room, put some music on. Oh my gosh, I felt so like liberated. It was honestly, it was so, so special. And it did make me feel, um, it didn't make me feel like I wish I'd experienced living by myself. I've never lived by myself. And I think before, I just, I don't think I appreciated the luxury of being alone before, whereas now I appreciate it so much. So maybe, you know, I wouldn't have appreciated living alone 
um, if I'd done it in the past. But now, part of me feels like I really, yeah, I wish I'd had that experience just sort of fending for myself. And it can, I'm sure it can be difficult living alone because, you know, you're alone and it probably feels a bit lonely. But that is something that I wish that I'd experienced. And I'm probably not going to, I mean, I don't wish to experience it now because obviously if it means that I'm living alone, it means that, you know, George and I haven't worked out, which that may be the case and that's okay if it goes that way obviously I hope that it doesn't hope that we're together forever but um oh, it really made me appreciate just my own company and just the space and the quiet and the sort of freedom of doing whatever the fuck I want like you can't it's just it's not that I can't do that even when it's just George but subconsciously you are still aware that there's another person there you know interesting. Um, I need to get George back on the podcast. I've said that so many times. Oh, you know what else I want to say about George? I'm just going to big him up a little bit. He is so good at making conversation with Isla. And bearing in mind, Isla doesn't talk back, but well, she like blabs back. And I don't know if it's the fact that I speak French with her, but when it's the three of us, I find that he talks more easily with her than I do. And I feel bad. I feel like that makes me, like, it's not that it makes me a bad parent, but he, I just find that he talks so easily. And sometimes I'm like, I feel bad that I don't talk to her as much. And again, maybe it's the French because I'm aware that if I speak, like, I think I've mentioned on the podcast, yeah, I definitely have. I speak French only to Isla because I'm absolutely adamant. I really want her to be bilingual. I don't want French to die with me. Like what a great opportunity for her to be bilingual. But obviously I'm really aware of the fact that George doesn't speak French. He's obviously understanding more and more as we go on, you know, and I speak more French with Isla, but we don't communicate in French. And so I think maybe I'm aware that he might not understand everything. And obviously when I talk to her, I want him to understand. I don't know, maybe it's a bit of that, but also... Oh, I just feel, does anyone else resonate with this? Do you struggle to talk to your kid? I feel really bad admitting that I, I just don't know what to say to her. And I just find I'm in awe at George just so easily making conversation with this 20 month old, almost 20 months, who just doesn't reply. Like how, and it's funny because I, I literally, I can't think of what to say. Sometimes in my head, I'm like, right, Magli, think of something to say your, to your child. Like, does anyone have that? I feel so awful admitting that. She's my kid. Surely I should, it should just come naturally for me to have a conversation with her. But it just doesn't. Is that okay? <laughs> Please let me know I'm not alone. I'm, honestly, George is so, so good. It just feels so natural to him. We were taking a walk the other day with Isla Magnus and she was blabbing and he's like, oh yeah, it's a bit windy. And I just found myself thinking, I never would have thought to say that. Do you know what I mean? I feel like all I say to her is like, oh yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, well done. I don't know, just not like proper conversation. Oh, anyway, in awe of George. Yeah, he's really good. He is so good with her. I need to get him back on the podcast, definitely. Um, we haven't heard from my sister in ages too, actually. Let me know if you have any favourite guests that you would like to have on that I've had before. Maybe you want them back. Do you have any favourite episodes? As in, like, what are your favourite styles of episodes? Do you like having the guests? you prefer just me? I say that. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to put it out there. I like having guests because I feel a lot of pressure when it's me. It just, it does feel quite self-indulgent when it's me. And although you could, I don't know, it's a fine line, isn't it? Like, yes, the podcast is about me and sort of 
shedding light on the challenges of motherhood but at the same time it's just nice having other people and I feel like I can bounce off other people you know but let me know um do you want to hear from George my sister anyone else yeah hit me up girlfriend or boyfriend if you're a boy I am gonna leave it there for today I'm sending you lots of love I'm going to make myself a coffee and then yeah maybe listen back and maybe I should edit this I should edit whilst I'm in the zone in the zone I will speak to you next week guys ciao